Let us pray. Gracious love of God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your deep love. We give you thanks for the wisdom that is in your word. We give you thanks. Those that we give you thanks. You speak to us through time and space. God bless us that we may be faithful servants of you. In Jesus' most holy name, we pray. Amen. 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 Good evening, friends. This is what uh, happens when you get up on a Star Wars. I know, right? I, it's just it just keeps going. Uh, welcome to Scripture Talk. If you were here for the pre-show, which I may just if you're watching this after the fact, I will probably um, at least for the YouTube and the uh, audio version dump into the post show because why not um we talked about fandoms but here this is scripture talk and we are here to talk about scripture i am pastor trey comstock with me as ever is sister brandy dudley pastor scott Ketchum. and on the ones and twos Stacey tyler dun, dun, dun. and this is again the show where we theoretically um talk about scripture um uh, we've got you know we're kind of in a, okay so i'm gonna lift the curtain a little bit about how scriptures get chosen so there's this <laughs> thing called the uh, the revised carmen lectionary that is like a rotating menu of scriptural texts that tries to cover every book of the Bible in a three-year arc. There is always a New Testament reading, there's always a Gospel reading, there is always an Old Testament reading, and there's always a Psalm. Psalm. For everything but Summer of Rock, we are generally synced to the lectionary. Now, we've been doing this show for more than three years now. Um, actually coming up on four years. Yeah. Um, and that means we've made an entire lap of the lectionary, which means occasionally I'm pulling texts that we have talked about in the past three years because I just think they're what fits for the day. Um, good. And I try they're to be... Text. They're the good texts. And, yeah. you know, sometimes, like, so today, um, it is the conversion of Paul. And it's really hard for me when the conversion of Paul is on the table. It's really hard for me to resist talking about the conversion of Paul yeah. because I think it's a really foundational Christian story. And I'm happy to uh, it like we've done the parable, of the Good Samaritan, how many times, right? But those kind of stories when they come up, I am I am loath to reject them. And so you know, this is at least the second time, maybe the third time we've talked about the conversion of Paul. But we're going to do it again because it is there is always more to be mined. Hold on, I got it. <laughs> That's just gonna happen today, friends. Uh, I've got it. You know, look, um, I talk for a living. It's all going really bad. Um, so if you feel like, man, I feel like they've talked about this before. We have, um, and just like we talk about Pentecost every year. So tough luck. Guess what? On Pentecost, it's gonna be Acts chapter two, verses one through twenty, and I'm not gonna apologize. I'm not gonna apologize for that. Like when when it's Pentecost Day, we're gonna talk about Pentecost. It's the same thing. Like every Christmas, we're gonna talk about the birth of Jesus, and every Easter, we're gonna say Jesus is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Um, so that brings us to, uh, we are doing Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 20. This is the conversion of Paul. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly, there was a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. 
Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, <laughs> uh, look for... <laughs> God, so many Judases. Yeah. Well, so many Judases. Um, they're everywhere. Um, look for the man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen a vision. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in um, and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here... And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Which, let's be clear, to Paul is the selling point. Um, so Ananias went and entered the house. He, he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. Why I think this is such an important story is there's two pieces to this. One is you are seeing lead disciples coming from beyond that first generation that walked with Jesus and knew him, right? And to me, as we think about Christianity making these great leaps, um, that it this is one of those cases where it makes a great leap from the people who immediately knew Jesus and experienced the positive side of Jesus' earthly ministry. And now it is leaping to another place, to a Pharisee, to um, a Jewish leader that was not pulled in during Jesus' earthly life. And I think that's an important moment. And it shows the like or puts the lie to, and this is a theme that comes up a lot because it's actually a theme that scripture really cares about, um, of this is one of those key moments of imperfect servants doing amazing things, uh-huh. right? We get it in our head that like uh, God only calls perfect and I can't, I cannot be a follower of Jesus. I can't, and I had this thought when I got called to ministry, right? Like I can't be a leader. I suck at this. I am the wrong person. Well, if you're looking for the right person to call, Paul ain't it. Right. Because and you hear it in Ananias's skepticism, which is fair. It's like, God, L- L- Lord, are you familiar with this? Do you I remember mean, this dude? Yeah, right. It's like you, God of everything and all knowing. Have you really thought this one through? Yeah, and, see, and, that's, yeah, right. and that's, that's why I was fixing to say I was like how many of them disciples actually like question that and went you, 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 what, you what? I suspect it's what? more than just Ananias right um, and so this ends up to me being a real foundational story of not just the origin story of Paul but a cleaner origin story for all of us right mm-hmm. I can't be Peter right because I can never be Peter and so, I, I mean, I, I look up to Peter in a way, right? He's this important man of God, but I can never be Peter because I didn't walk, I didn't literally walk with Jesus, right? Um, and so I can never be Peter. I can never be James, I, any of them. Um, I can never be, I can never be that generation of Christian leader 
but I can be Paul. Or I can strive to be Paul, right? I ain't gonna yeah. get there. But like mm-hmm. I can strive to be Paul. This like imperfect servant who was not there. Um and and, and who got there late, um, but who was transformed by God. And you know, I, I have that like you know, I, my friends, my, my friends tease me or, you know, have my own version of the Ananias is my life going, really? That guy? Like that guy's the pastor? Like of all of us, like that guy's the pastor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, so that's the thing I can connect with 100%. That's fascinating about Paul because, like you said, Paul didn't walk with Jesus for those three years with like the disciples did. But he ended up producing, what, 27% of the New Testament with some awesome writings like he well and and if you think about the writings that he authored directly plus the writings that he inspired which is Luke and Acts of the Apostles Mm -hmm. um, Paul's school is responsible for more like 50% of the New Testament right right yeah because I mean most of it is uh, Luke Acts and then Paul's writings but right I mean so there's there's two main you know there's a few outliers there's two main schools Mm -hmm. that produce the New Testament it's the John school um, which is probably again like we need to become comfortable it's probably not all penned literally by the Apostle John Uh um, but this school connected to him in the same way that like Isaiah is the dread pirate Roberts of prophets Um, there are three (laughs) of them (laughs) who's Isaiah today right like Isaiah and Isaiah 3 I'm Isaiah I'm Isaiah Right, and so there's there's shared tissue, there's but there's connective tissue, right? There's a writing style, there's a theological perspective that even if he didn't pen all the words, right? Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So there's these two schools that produce like whatever eighty percent of the New Testament, and Paul's school, which is him and Luke, yeah, that's like fifty percent of the New Testament. Yeah, absolutely. And also writings they they produce, I mean, just powerful, like they did walk with Jesus. Well, and but also I think it's really important that they can bring a perspective that didn't walk with Jesus, uh-huh. right? It's right. all well and good, and I, I love the book of James, um, and I love the book of Jude, but it's all well and good for those jokers to talk to me about Jesus. Um, they knew him! Yeah, and there's a great question uh, out here from Jeannie. Paul, as a scholar, would he have not read everything he could get his hands on about Jesus? After the conversion, probably. But there's nothing, but there's not there's nothing written. There. Some of his, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, some of his uh, letters are the earlier yeah, th- things that are Thessalonians predates Mark. There are no writings. Or rather, okay, there may, this is where we have to get into yeah. a little bit of theory. Um, stick with me, friends. It's going to be yeah. okay. Um, no so, formalized things. There's no formalized together. writing. We think there is a document that exists that is the sayings of Jesus. And when Paul gets called, Mark is probably started his work, but Mark hasn't published yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mark, we think Paul ends up with a copy of Mark at some point, but some of his writings predate when we think Mark exists. And so what Paul might, might have access to, especially as he becomes, gets more connected to the Jerusalem church, is the sayings of Jesus, which is part of what Matthew and Luke pull upon, but Mark yeah. doesn't. And so that's a lot of the parables. Um, that's the Sermon on the Mount. Um, that's that, like he might have someone very early wrote down some of the stuff that Jesus said, but that's probably the only written material. There were no blogs. There were no news reports. There were no newspapers. This is why when you're following the story in Acts and uh, they're getting into the issue of how to deal with the Gentiles, what takes place with them having to all go back to Jerusalem and meet face-to-face with each other was so important because they had to get together what's going on. What, What Okay, what was the Lord's 
feeling on this? How? What do we think he would say? And they had to actually literally work through that. Now, I want to drop back to uh, something slightly different. So our overarch on this is where's the proof? Right. And uh-huh. I, I don't know why I keep envisioning the little old lady from the old Wendy's commercial, where's sure. the beef? Where's Where the beef? beef? Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But, but that's kind of what's going on here. And that's what I think is awesome about this conversion story. One, when you look at scripture, one of the first things the Pharisees did was start sowing seeds of he didn't really raise from right. bidding. Yeah, uh-huh. they pay, it tells them they paid off the people to go and tell them that people came and stole yeah, they the body. Them P-U. And uh-huh. so for <laughs> Paul's instructor, Gamaleo, was a highly respected member in the... Yeah, he shows up in yeah, Acts, right? Yeah, like he's, he's And so Paul well himself regarded. is on the fast track. He's already part of that uh, ruling class, and he's fast-tracking... Obviously, he's running around as we've cracked a joke before, you know, bounty hunter. Yeah, he's man. For, he's, the, he's, he's the Mandalorian, yeah. but for Christians. <laughs> he's Mando- Mandalorian. Okay, we're good. Yeah. So, however, where's the proof? The person who yeah. is the one out there getting them makes not just a small change in what he's doing, but turns around. A complete 180 Mm -hmm. and and is no longer hunting them down to kill them, but is the one being tormented, tortured, stoned, etc., willing to lay down his life. So what's the proof? The proof is in a complete change in an individual's ideology and and life. And anyone who has any experience working with people, whether it is as a psychologist or as a teacher or as a pastor... um, will tell you that the hardest thing to do in a human is behavior change. Yeah. Behavior change, like major life change is an incredibly difficult, nigh impossible process. We have this argument around, you know, it's really instantaneous, right? It's rarely instantaneous. And so part of this idea of where's the proof. And as we look at the life of Paul, that Paul becomes an archetype for all of those major life yeah. changes that have happened because of an interaction with God, because it is far easier to develop a technology so that people don't have to change their behavior than to get people to change their behavior. And and so that's where like the overall like angle of proof looking at the story of Paul is yes, this is a major conversion, but this becomes an archetype of a thing that happens over and over again in scripture, in our lives today, in the lives of the saints that came before us, right? That is, I think that's the like, that's the proof here is hearing those stories of in, nigh impossible because life change is nigh impossible life change. It's the repeated miracle that yeah. is often overlooked and that is the proof in the pudding. Uh-huh. The miraculous effect of God in people's lives. That's why Revelation 12, you know, it's one of my favorite verses. They overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the yeah. testimony. That's why that word of the testimony is so, so important because even in apologetics, we can come up with lots of head knowledge, lots of good logical ways, and people can always go, yeah, but. But. Uh-huh. It is very difficult to say this individual used to act this way and is no longer. In other this words, you say hung up on drugs. Yeah, is that was no me. Longer. But this person, yeah. yeah well, ahead. and that's and that that goes back to the you know my favorite John Wesley question: Have you fruit? Uh huh. Right. That like you can say all these things, right? Um, but has that 
thing you professed born fruit in your life. This is James. This is James chapter two. Back to back mm-hmm. to James for a second. This is this is part of what it means for faith without works to be dead, uh-huh. right? That is this that part of the and this was part of the you know you want to talk about proofs that worked for people this is part of the proofs that work for me Mm. right part of what you know helped me break through my own skepticism um is even just seeing the change that god was working in my life even before i would call myself fully a believer yeah right when i was still on the periphery of being, you know, I've always been a practicing Christian. I've not always been a believing Christian, right? You know, you can uh, sit in the garage and not become a Ferrari. Um, Yep. But like seeing the life change in myself and others, knowing particularly as one trained both in, you know, kind of public health and education, not just theology, I know how hard it is to get anyone to change any kind of... I was a behavior management expert, homie. Like, I can tell you how hard behavior change really is. And when you see some of the scales of life change, and and, and they're not always fast, and the speed of it's not part of it, that anyone is able to turn their life around at all, um, to me, is part of the proof that's in the pudding of, of Christian faith. And Paul, to me, is the archetype of that. So let me throw a spanner in the works for a moment here. Let's rewind back to uh, what you were talking about, the uh, missing book of Jesus. Uh-huh. Is it possible that, because I know that Rome burned, right? Yeah. And and isn't it possible that some of that stuff got lost? It is, but not because Rome burned. Um, Rome burning happens way later. Um, there are the gospels as we know them already exist. Um, by the time Rome burns, um, it is, you got to realize we didn't, we Christians didn't have libraries, didn't have universities, didn't have like a whole lot of people. There weren't Uh, a lot of scholars in the very beginning. No. Well, and we like, we were like on the run. (laughs) We were on the periphery. We met in people's houses um, and you know, so documents and, and like there was no printing press, no email, no backup hard drives. Um, and so like things just got lost. Um, we don't, I mean, again, we don't have original copies of any of the gospels, right? The copies we have are come hundreds of years later. Um, and so we don't have any of the originals, right? This isn't like the U.S. Constitution where we can go and go, this is the one that they signed. George, see George Washington's signature? Man, on the Declaration of Independence. Man, John Hancock, he wrote real big, right? Uh, so Prince King George could read it with his glasses. Um, apocryphally, he said that. We don't have those things because we were a small thing on the periphery of a mighty empire yeah. and record keeping from that time is garbage. Right. And so that like it, it's lost in that it's not really lost. It got written into Matthew and Luke's gospels. That's where it is. Like, where is it preserved? It was preserved by Matthew and Luke. Matthew and Luke made sure we had access to that stuff. Not as the original. They wove it into their story of Jesus' life. Um, but those are the backup copies, and those backup copies survived. Right, right. And, and like uh, John likes to point out in uh, his gospel, you know, there's a lot more that isn't written down that they didn't preserve. Right, or, but, yeah, and, and, like but said, John is... Uh, so that you would know. Yeah, right. he, he and, contained uh, enough in his book so we'll believe. And, yeah. and John's making a nod to the other, other three guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. Right, John is the, like... 
Um, Matthew and Luke are clearly around. Ra- this is shout yeah. outs to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yeah. Um, and so John's like, hey, I get to do a different thing because these other guys did this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously, maybe not obvious, but Matthew and Luke knew about Mark yeah. because they have Mark open as their writing. Uh-huh. Um, that is one of their sources. Um, they also have this other source, which gets called Q. Don't worry about that. Um, it is the sayings of Jesus. They also have their own research, their own material, right? And Luke talks about how he, a little bit about how he assembled that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but Matthew and Luke may not know their writing. They're both right. They're both writing it about the same time. Kind of contemporaries. They're kind of contemporaries. Um, Matthew is writing either from the Jerusalem school or from the periphery of the Jerusalem school. Um, Luke is writing from within the Paul end of things. Um, and then John's on Patmos having a good time. You know, that would be a fun um, play, having set up with like a C.S. Lewis Tolkien conversation. Between Matthew and but Luke? Yes, between Matthew and Luke. Yeah, because you, you, you wonder sometimes, did they know each other? Uh-huh. Obviously they know, like, Luke would know of Matthew, but would Matthew know of Luke? Matthew would probably know of Paul, mm-hmm. but would Matthew know of like I? I these are like they're in different fields, right? Wildly and, and different, different areas when they were ministering and different ministry fields, right? And Matthew is very rooted in a community. Matthew's I always call Matthew a pastor, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Matthew that's not his title, but Matthew's a church pastor, right? Um, and, and and so his gospel is written from that, and and Luke is part of a missionary movement. Right, trying to reach Gentiles, and so Luke is writing from that One of perspective. The first traveling physicians. Yes, that's right, Doctor Luke. Doctor Luke. Um, and so oh, I, I, I would love like the, this. Luke. This is you know, I suspect when I get to heaven I won't care. But if I could go back in time. If I could have a time machine and go back in time, one of the places I would go is I would love to see what the early church was like. I would love to see that. I would love, because I know how chaotic, like, grassroots movements are. I've spent my life in them. Um, I would love to see the chaotic grassroots movement that is the early church. There are a couple really cool comments um, from Jeannie here in the chat. Um, One is, I'm still mad about the burning of the Library of Alexandria. Some, uh, we lost some Jewish texts in that. Um, because the Library of Alexandria had a wonderful collection of many, many religions, and so there are Christian-relevant texts that were lost in that. And then Jeannie also throws out oral history, yes. And so at some point, the sayings of Jesus went from oral history, um, as shared among the, you know, 11, um, mine is Judas, right? That's right. Um, and, and the other hangers on, right? The, the hundred that are left, right, at the at Pentecost Day. And someone writes them down. Who? Who knows? Sometimes gets attributed um, to Thomas. Plausible. Who knows? Um, <laughs> we don't have direct sourcing on that. There is just a document that shows up later called the Gospel of Thomas that looks a lot like the sayings. That'd be, that'd be another <coughs> another fun solo. Dear diary, today yeah. on the road, Jesus said. Yeah, and and so, but we don't Deep know. Thoughts by Jesus. Are they? So this is why, like, we think that Jesus couldn't write. This okay. is somewhat an argument from silence, but because we have no writings from Jesus, right? And that seems like a thing. We have a lot of writings from Paul, because we know Paul could write. Right? Paul could write really well. Maybe Jesus Paul also could, had a scribe was the, running Jesus around. Jesus was the word, man. He, right, he was the word. Yeah. But he also lived an earthly life where he would not have been, received a K through eight education. Well, see, maybe huh. Jesus did, didn't want to write. Like he just was like, Look, write this down for me. Okay? Well, or it was he didn't want any of those things turning into idols. 
Ah, yeah, right. Right. Ah, okay. right. Think ah. about it. Okay. Yeah. All, all the pieces of wood from uh, the cross. <laughs> the cross. Out of yeah. different types of wood. But anyway, <laughs> that was like so many woods. Yeah. But um. Yes, if we had some literal writings of Jesus, yeah, right. that would be. So that, like, I, I think there's real godly wisdom in the fact that Jesus didn't write anything down, um, because this is also meant to be a living faith, right? Yeah. Um, and so, but at some point, the oral history that that Gene it does start as oral history, as does Genesis, right? Search um, for the holy plume, right? <laughs> You know, and then how many? And you know, how many of those pens are going to show up? You know, I've I seen. I've, I've seen at least two different heads of John the Baptist in my life. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen so many pieces of. The, okay, the weirdest one I've ever seen is how many different uh, bits of Mary's breast milk um, are hanging out in reliquaries around I've Europe. Heard about this that. is real. This is okay, real. I've heard about I actually that. have not heard about that. There, so yeah, is, I've seen at least one um, at the reliquary in Roncesvalles um, at the uh, start off of the Camino de Santiago. There is um, a little smear of looks like a like a like a laboratory slide um, of yes. white liquid, and I've been told it's the breast milk of Mary. Now, well, eons ago at the World's Fair, back when it was in New Orleans, the Shroud uh, of Turin was there. Uh-huh. So I got to, to see that. The actual shrouded. Yeah, yeah, so that's been that's been. I got bad news for you. It's been debunked, it's but been like debunked. <laughs> it's from the Middle Ages. But like, but you think about, I I appreciate. That we are a living faith that is much more, I gave this speech as part of call for offering yesterday, um, that this thing is, this church is alive, right? And yes, scripture matters, but the physical, the physicality of it is not what matters. It's the knowledge contained within that Uh matters, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The Bible itself is the word of God because of what's contained within it. Um, And that anyone, whether it's you're reading it online or you have a big fancy book, whatever, um, I like the living nature of our faith that like we can be a perfectly valid church meeting in a disused country club as someone who is meeting in a reliquary with the breast milk of Mary, uh-huh. which, which is goes back to you know, our title. Where's the proof? The right. proof it isn't in these relics. It isn't on all these little bits though. It is interesting. It's interesting. I love history to see the antiquities that do really exist. From uh-huh. that time period. Yeah. But the proof is in this story. It's in the change in a person's heart right. yeah. and how not just in that heart, but then that individual's life going right. on and passing that along. We the proof to me, you wanna you wanna yeah, you know, I, I my uh, uh Sydney's grandmother, who had a wonderful relationship, her name was Neva, um, she was an agnostic. Um, and her and I would sit down, but she was a wonderful, just intellectually rich, you know, deeply inquisitive agnostic person. Mm-hmm. Um that sense there was something spiritual out there, and I could I could resonate with this, right? Like, sense there was something spiritual out there, but never found the way to connect to it. And God, I can resonate. Um, and her and I would would sit down and talk about, like, you know, why do you believe you 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 this you know, frankly overly intellectual guy? Like, you know, why do you believe? And one of the things I talk about is that I that I really hold on to is this thing's been changing life for two lives for two thousand years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and how many things can really testify? to that right we've done a lot of things wrong and at one point we tried to become a world government and that one really like we've done some real bad stuff over the years too but for 2,000 years this thing has been changing lives so, um so i talked i talked to a uh agnostic person a couple years ago and uh, and this this might be bad for me to say but we got into this conversation. But he's going to anyway. I mean, we, we, we may have already scared right off poor Jeannie. Right so, I, you know, go ahead. Well, go for so, it. So this is what my conversation with him was. 
And he said, well, what, what, what real, uh, you're a Christian and blah, 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 and all this and this and that. And he goes, what does this serve for you? And I went, I said, you know what? Even if there's not a God and you're right and there isn't, what is it hurting sure. to believe? What is it hurting for you to have faith in something? No, I, 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 I appreciate that argument. But also, I, I am that person. Right. I am that person who um, always needs proof. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, you know, I, I envy Sister Brandy knows this. I envy Sister Brandy and I envy her, her faith um, because that's never come easy to me. Um, and so uh, in building this series and, and, and I reflect very often on Acts chapter nine specifically. Um, I reflect very often on Paul. I, I've said this before. I, I really, I resonate with Paul. This is, if there was ever a biblical author that I could be like when I grow up, um, it's Paul. Um, because, you know, I, because I'm also the, the college kid, right? Like, you know, he was the only college boy. I'm the college boy, right? Like, I, Paul and I, I, I very, you know, I think, I, 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 you know, I lump Paul, John Wesley, and me are all in some sort of category. They're far greater than I am, but I love them because I can resonate with them, right? Um, right? But see, like, if you live a Christian lifestyle, uh-huh. I mean, it's it's helping you in the end to live that lifestyle because it's the right lifestyle to live. Yes. Have you ever sinned and it came out in the end a good thing? It worked out in the end for you. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I get it. But like that, so that argument didn't work for me. Right. Um, because I could just live a moral life, you know, or vaguely amoral life, a, a version a moral of life. A, a, uh-huh. a moral life. Um, but like, I know, I know good agnostics, right? I know relatively good or, you know, Neva, my, my, you know, Sydney's, I was my, my beloved grandma. She was like a grandmother to me. We, her and I were very close. Um, she was a wonderful human. Right. Um, so I needed more than, some, for my soul, I needed more than, well, this is just a good thing, right? Flossing is a good thing, too, and I managed to not do that. Um, I do plenty of things that are not objectively good for me. I needed more. Okay. Jeannie's showing off her uh, apologetics knowledge, saying that's the Blaise Pascal argument. Yes. And it is. It is. Um, and, and I, and you know, and I, I can connect with, you know, you know, throughout philosophy, connect with the idea of Immanuel Kant, right? Like, if God didn't exist, we'd make God up anyways. I, I get that, right? Um. But for me, I needed to see the things that couldn't be explained any other way. Yeah. And that's where I look at the story of Paul. Yep. Right? Because Paul had, they have every incentive to whitewash this away, and they don't. Um, and Paul has every incentive to say that that didn't happen. Right? You, you think about Paul as a modern politician, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, the, 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 the proof comes out that they're wrong, and they'll say, no, 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 I, you know, I, I'm actually right. You know, he could, you know it, he has every incentive to stick to his guns and say, no, I'm going to keep killing these people because that's what's good for me. And instead, he has such a profound encounter with Christ that he absolutely changes his life. But see, I believe that if you live a Christian lifestyle, the, that, the, the, the belief, the faith, that all will come to you. Sure. And so that is, so by the way, that is the nature of Jewish spirituality. Um, that one of the, like, a, a, if I were a rabbi, which I am not, they have much better beards than I do. Mm-hmm. But if I were a rabbi, one of the things I would tell you is keep practicing and the faith will come. 
Right. Right. And I and I actually think there is real wisdom in that. Not, and I think that, that can fit as well in Christianity. Um, as you know, some people. I sometimes I think I'm just going through the motions. Yeah. I think make that's it, true for. Yeah, make it kind of I think yeah, that's. Yeah, I think yeah. that's true for everybody. That sometimes we're going through the motions, and sometimes we're really feeling it. But there is real wisdom in continue the practice and see what see what comes of it. Um, and, and I think the difference isn't so much you know though it says fake it is that you think it's fake. Is it? I am going to do this because I believe this is true, whether I feel it right. or feel it not. Enough. And 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 you really get that out of uh, David's life in yes. the Psalms yeah. a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Why are you so downcast? I have to stir it up within Encourage me. Encourage yourself. Because sometimes, yeah. you know, or and, uh, uh, or the, my favorite Psalm, Dad, get him. Get him, sick him, get him, God, knock him yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, Psalm yeah. 109. Anyways, you're yeah, making yeah. a much deeper point. But, uh, but yeah, because the reality of it is, you know, like I said in, in mine Sunday, you know, we have the idiom in the world that says, you know, seeing is believing. But a more scriptural understanding really is that truly believing is seeing. Uh-huh. Because sometimes the things that are going on with God and are happening is in the unseen. Well, and it is the like. I, you know, we're, we're going to get to a point in the series where, uh, Jesus is looking at a, a bunch of, and I don't want to burn, burn pot on this, but like looking at a bunch of, uh, Jewish leaders and go, what do you need? What's the proof here? Right. Uh-huh. Um, I, I've given you all this, but you're just not going to believe me. Show me the money. And so part of what <laughs> this series and part of what the, what, what I want us to unpack is what is proof itself? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like what? is and so for me as i've you know i've I've had to ponder those questions a lot like what was going to be enough for me Mm -hmm. um and life change that unexplained extreme life change to me and the 2000 year history it's not just this one guy once Mm -hmm. right it is this one guy once and then millions billions more um, well, that carries it, a lot of weight for me. And, and you look at the simple fact, and I know we're like running long. Yeah, we're, we're running, yeah. The simple fact that every one of his disciples who were afraid and scattered at the cross Came ended back. up coming back and giving up their own life for this belief yes. that you just wouldn't do if it was over a lot. Well, and it right. was, you know, very few things, you know, um, very few things last 2,000 years. Yeah. Right. And very few things are healthier today than they were 2000 years ago. Uh, where's the Roman Empire, friends? Where is it? No, it did. Um, where is the second temple? It's halfway standing. It's halfway standing. <laughs> um, scattered out around. Right. Yeah. How many things from 2000 years ago are still here? Barely. And healthier today than they all were then. Yeah. It's us. It's us. Right. Um, and that means something to me, um, that, you know, empires rise and fall, um, and yet Christianity remains. Maybe. Well, according to the um, Scientologists, the uh, alien living in the volcano. <laughs> Let me, well, yeah. just keep on believing you can uh, see Jesus in your uh, breakfast cereal, too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that, no, shout no, out no, to no, Tom Cruise. That is a great place to end this show. Um, maybe forever. Uh, no, we'll be back next week. We will be back next week with another edition of Scripture Talk. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you have feedback for us, um, you can leave it here on our Facebook channel where we are live every Monday at 6 o'clock, most Mondays at 6 o'clock, and then some other days sometimes. Uh, we're coming up on another one of those oddball uh, ones. Um, if you have yeah, you comments, leave them here on Facebook. Leave them on our YouTube channel. Um, you can post a comment 
our website, uh, palestinegrace.com slash videos. You can email us, gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. If you would like to join us live, uh, shout outs to the chat. Chat was wonderful this evening. Thank y'all very much. Uh, See particular Diesterhoff um, and uh, Jeannie. Um, But if you want to be a part of that, it always adds so much to the show. Again, Mondays at 6 or less otherwise announced. Um, And if you need an audio-only version of this show, just search Scripture Talk by Grace Church in your podcatcher of choice. And before my voice completely gives out, I will say, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. If you're not, stay well. God is with us. I am Groot. I am Groot. Thank God my voice is dying. Yes, we Groot. Yes, we Groot. Yes, I. Yes, I Groot. Walk on, Ich bin ein Groot. As I think I am a Groot, which is not quite it. So I just Ich bin Groot. My German's bad. Pet the monkey. So besides Jar Jar Binks, and, I, and that, uh, that's a huge caveat, right? Because he is horrific. That movie is eminently watchable. Uh-huh. Um. Because in the end, Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor are, and Natalie Portman, aged 16, uh-huh. um, are eminently watchable. And I can watch them do just about anything. And that's Queen really a character I'd like to see uh, some prequels and some development on. Queen uh, Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. yeah. You know what's sad? This, the movie came out the same, I believe it was the same year that Star Wars came out. That is forgotten about. It was a great movie. It was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I don't think that's the same year as. Uh, oh, start as original as the one of the OG Star Wars, the not. OGs, but I don't know if it was the same year. I don't know. It's good. I, I saw it. I you know I I remember like. Hey, are we live on Facebook? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Just boom, making sure. Boom. Um, and so I, we've been taking Thomas back, and I so I'm a big Solo defender. I love Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. I think that movie yes. is great. I think that movie is unfairly dumped on. I think I uh, enjoyed it too. I think that is the most amazing like uh, origin of Han, and I'm gonna say it. Sorry, I'll say it the way Lando says the Han and Lando's relationship. <laughs> um, I, you know, uh, it's Han, but whatever. Okay, yeah, Han. I, I think he always does it as a little jab. No, he does. Yeah. But you don't know he's doing it as a jab until you see the, them playing Sabacc for the first... Anyway, I, 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 I'm yeah. a big defender of that movie. I love Rogue One. I think Rogue One is maybe secretly the best oh, Star Wars yeah. movie. Um, because they finally made the war movie that I wanted. Really, what I wanted was Saving Private Ryan set in the Star Wars universe. I think The Mandalorian is incredible. Um I'm the still waiting. end scene of coming and picking up Grogu. Right. No, right. And that, just that's, like... That's a Luke and, Skywalker and, scene and, we all wanted. And the introdu- just the way they introduce, introduce Luke, and you finally get to watch a Jedi be a Cuisinart. Right? Like, G- Jedis are like these like hallowed figures, and they're supposed to be these amazing at combat. Most of the time, in the other movies, you don't really see them be good at combat. Right? Um, you just see them... You know, they're the dudes with the flashy swords. Uh-huh. And pitching Luke showing up from a horror film perspective and you're just watching this sword flash and a Jedi moving through this thing like a bloody Cuisinart is um like anyways so there are, I, I actually argue there are only two bad Star Wars movies um and everything else is good to great which does one of those two? The, does that include the episodes Christmas, two and three? Does that include the uh-huh. Christmas special? Okay no that's amazing in its own way it invented virtual reality pornography <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm still waiting for my standalone Gambit and, movie. And, and I always enjoyed uh, Ewok Adventure. Yeah, uh-huh. Ewok Adventure is fun. for Endor. Wait, which are, you know, again, you understand Those the things that are kids. Yeah, kids but, aimed things, but right. yeah. There are only. I, I was kind of a kid when I saw right, it. Yeah. Right, yeah. And when I first got introduced to it, I was a kid. Um, I'm not going to say everything is amazing. Um, the The Rise of Skywalker is A, a terrible title, mm. and B, a thoroughly okay movie um, with some amazing special effects Indeed. and the reintroduction of Lando Calrissian. Um, I want my Gambit movie. I know. It'll happen. Um, okay. Um, so that was a long answer to a short question, but the short answer is. Star Wars. If I had to pick one, right? Um, I, I celebrate many fandoms, um, as this studio, as my office, as everywhere, um, as everywhere goes. But um, I am just a Keanu Reeves fan. Period. Sure, fair. Um, John Wick. I'd be hard pressed to name a thing of his that he's done that I don't like. In fact, you saying that now, I want to go watch John Wick three again because that movie. What I love yeah. about the John Wick movies, and then we'll start a show, um, is uh, no one talks. There is no dialogue. <laughs> there is absolutely no dialogue in a John Wick movie. And, uh, and the dialogue that is there is absolute nonsense, right? It's, are you mad, John? Yeah, I'm mad. And that's it. That's the whole, like, that's the climax that you've got Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves, both of whom reunited together, the great loves, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves, and all you give them for the entire scene is Lawrence Fishburne is laughing to go, you mad, John? <laughs> all right, we have some, yeah. uh, some, some pre-show uh, stuff going on, the uh, uh, chiming in about uh, Mando, uh, a laugh about Attack of the Clowns. And then the question mark on the Christmas special. So, Jeannie, are you not aware that in the oh, 70s so it's... Uh, there's a Star Wars Christmas special? And, and, and mm. it is fair that you're not aware of it because they, it... they tried to make it go away for a while. <laughs> I would make uh, it. Because it was, it was, yeah. But um, It okay. is special. But again, I can find it online and get a link to you. For yeah, it. yeah. But it does involve um, uh, uh, Chewbacca's grandfather uh, wearing a VR headset, and it is implied that he is watching erotic films. And oh, she said she watched it. It was horrible. It is horrible. Anyway, yes. okay. Go ahead and throw it a look. Let's do a show. Oh. Yeah, uh, let's get on to what we're this was, Yeah, yeah. This was uh, this was good. I th- really think we worked some stuff out here. Yeah. Waka Wookie. Uh huh. Let us spray. Whoop. Nope. Wrong button. Ah! It's all falling apart. Hold on. Let's try this again. <laughs>